Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire, Whiskey, and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fanfiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which is rated explicit for language and adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Without further ado, here is our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. All right, Catherine, what do you remember? Um, stuff went down. <laughs> every week. This happens every week. Hey, I have a lot on my mind and a lot that I have to do these days. So, you know what? Okay, what had happened was... <laughs> oh, uh, I know. Madungus Fletcher and Creature was being a butt face. And, and, um, and, um... Something about Harry asking what's his face about his parents, and he pretty much straight up lied to him and made the page disappear. And, um, um, uh, crap. Uh, can I phone a friend? (laughs) (laughs) Do I have a lifeline? Alright, so, um, what happened was they were looking for the locket, uh, Creature told them that it was Mundungus Fletcher. Creature started acting super weird around Hermione, and we think it is because of the life debt ritual, which essentially tied Hermione to the Black family by tying her to Sirius, which means that Creature now answers to her. The other thing that happened was Remus came to tell everybody that Tonks is pregnant, and everybody was super excited, right up until Sirius realized that Remus was there to run away from his fatherly duties and to support them on the Horcrux hunt, and Sirius went full-blown muggle, threw down his wand, punched Remus in the face, and was like, no, you're going to be a dad, you're going to make yourself the secret keeper, and you're going to hide in your house until all of this is over. Wow. Boom, shakalaka. I I really left a lot of stuff out there. (laughs) And that's fine. Hey, you remember the creature thing, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, because creature, like, he doesn't bug me, but he also, I feel like he is my spirit house elf when I'm cranky. (laughs) Like, when I'm in a mood, I am creature. I'm going to start calling you creature. Okay, Mad-Eye. Hurtful. Hey, I didn't start it. Your husband did. Ooh, doubly hurtful. Alright, so let's go ahead with chapter 7, Terrible Watchdog. September 4th, 1997. Harry, Ron, and Hermione successfully broke into the ministry after Mundungus arrived at Grimmauld Place, dragged there against his will by a vengeful house elf under direct orders from Hermione. Okay, wow, I forgot how quickly they jump into this chapter. Like, in the books, it's like, they make this whole plan, and then they go and they kidnap people, and they polyjuice them, and then they break into the ministry, and they go into all that. And this is just, like, takes, essentially, I think, what was, like, two chapters worth of content in the original books and just made it a sentence. Yeah, but I don't, they broke into the ministry, like, in chapters one or two, so they're doing it again? Yeah, so... The original break-in in chapter two was to get serious, and that one was not in the original Harry Potter books. This break-in is in the original Harry Potter books because, um, if you allow me to go on, 
Dung told them all about how he had lost the locket and then pointed out the picture of its new owner in the Daily Prophet, Dolores Umbridge. So if you remember in the movies, uh, Dobby and Creature both dragged back Mundungus in the movies. In this book, it's only Creature. They brought Dung back and he said that he sold the locket to a ministry girl and it was Dolores Umbridge, who is the pink toad from book movie five, the him him. Yes. Bitch. So he sold it to her and she wears it all the time, not knowing that it's, you know, Voldemort's locket, which is full of evil because, well, she's full of evil. And then they make the plan and they do the polyjuice thing. Remember where Ron dresses up and has to go fix an office that's raining and then he gets all wet and then he goes and tries and saves his wife. And then Harry has to remind him that it's not actually his wife. And Yeah, and how they find it disgusting that they have to get in the toilet. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then Hermione gets dragged off to be, like, the uh, scribe, I guess, at the meetings with Umbridge. Anyway. Yeah. So, Harry, Ron, and Hermione successfully broke into the ministry after Mundungus arrived at Grimmauld Place and told them that Dolores Umbridge had the thing. Sirius overheard Hermione and Ron talking about the scars on Harry's hand, and it took him very little effort to figure out that Umbridge had harmed his godson permanently. What are they referencing? Oh, I must not tell lies. Good girl. I pulled that one out my butt. You did. <laughs> you want a cookie? Yeah. <laughs> Coupled with the fact that she had been behind a number of terrible things at Hogwarts, the stupid anti-werewolf legislation, and now the ridiculous Muggleborn Registration Act, Sirius wanted to go after her himself. It took both Harry and Hermione pleading with him, in addition to threats of petrifying him and leaving him alone with only Creature's company, for him to back down. Completely contrary to their plan, Sirius followed the trio to the Ministry of Magic. He lingered across the street in his animagus form while they infiltrated the institution under the influence of the Polyjuice Potion. It took him less than an hour to arrive outside of the entrance, a large bathroom where men and women lined up outside the stalls. Padfoot paraded around as a lost dog as he waited impatiently for the trio to return. Every once in a while, someone stopped and patted him on the head, something that made him roll his eyes. He wanted to growl and bite, but he knew it would cause more attention than being docile. So he held back and gritted his teeth as old ladies ran their sweaty hands over the top of his head while calling him a good little doggy. At one point, Someone glanced at him and screamed, Grim! before running the other way, giving Sirius a good chuckle in the process. What's the Grim? The thing in the teacup. Not wrong. What does it signify? Death. Good. After what felt like an eternity, Ron, Harry, and Hermione finally exited the ministry in great haste. Sirius immediately caught sight of the Death Eaters on their tail. He shifted to his human form and grasped Harry's hand as Harry took hold of Hermione, who gripped tightly to Ron. It was dangerous and stupid, but they had little choice in the matter as Yaxley reached for Hermione. Mid-disapparation, Hermione managed to shake off the Death Eater, but only after he had seen the entrance to Grimmauld Place. Side-along apparition with another person was risky. Taking two people was ill-advised. Three was suicidal. Hermione landed them in the forest where the Quidditch World Cup had been held, as Ron hastily explained to Sirius, and the men all fell to the ground, wincing as air pushed its way into their lungs. Harry and Ron were on their knees, bleary-eyed and dizzy. Sirius, too, had a hard time regaining his senses, but the first that came back was his sense of smell. He breathed in a faint coppery odor and knew immediately that someone had been splinched. 
His head swiveled as he followed the scent, only to discover it was Hermione that was gravely injured. Sirius cradled her blood-covered form to him in order to retrieve her small beaded bag, and then he began rummaging through it. He threw the contents of the bag across the ground until he found the bottle of Dittany she had used a month earlier on Remus in the kitchen of Grimmauld Place. Sirius heard Harry gasp, watching as he placed Hermione's back and er, as he pieced Hermione's back and shoulder together. A long cut slashed along her right arm, wound across the back of her shoulder blade, and down beneath her blouse. He tore the garment away, revealing nothing but severed skin. He applied the dittany carefully, using his wand to close the wounds as quickly as possible. There's a tent. Get it up, he ordered brusquely, with a cold tone that told both Harry and Ron he wasn't going to stand for any hesitation. While the tent was being pitched, Sirius moved around the boys constantly, attending to Hermione's small, unconscious form, never looking either of them in the eye. The boys, in turn, did the same. Sirius was angry. Somewhere along the line, they had gone and buggered it all up, and now Hermione was suffering. Each wizard took his fair share of the blame silently, though Ron and Harry were more comfortable talking with one another about it. Once Hermione was safely in the tent on a bed that Sirius enlarged, he pulled open a small black Meadowitch kit and began pouring pain relief potion and blood replenishing potion down her throat. By the time Harry and Ron dared to enter the tent, Sirius was already in his animagus form at the foot of Hermione's bed, standing guard over her sleeping form. And there he remained. A little different from the uh, movies, huh? Oh, yeah. Who got splinched in the movies? One of the twins. Oh, but then Ron did in that. Yeah, okay, I remember that. There we go. The twin got uh, sectumsempered by Snape. Oh, okay. Sirius kept vigil over Hermione's recovery, shifting into human form only when changing her bandages, feeding her potions, or walk, uh, waking her enough to give her an opportunity to eat, though they had little food available. On those occasions, he said as little as possible, refusing to meet her eyes, though she pleaded with him to look at her. Unable to let her see him break, Sirius retreated into his animagus form, knowing that it was near impossible for her to read the impressions on his face that way. Expressions on his face that way. The locket, unfortunately, made everything worse. Sirius wore it at night and would dream of Azkaban and Dementors. He saw visions of James and Lily dying, of Peter's ugly, twisted sneer, and of a girl he loved vanishing into nothingness, leaving him alone in the world. He was grateful to be rid of the bloody thing each morning, but he observed with frustrated intensity as the Horcrux infected the other two wizards. Harry withdrew into himself, and Sirius kept a watchful eye, often removing the locket early if he noticed Harry being weighed down by it too quickly. Ron complained constantly, though a warning growl from Padfoot shut him up instantly. Despite her attempts, Sirius insisted that a piece of Voldemort's soul would not part, uh, would not touch any part of Hermione at any time. September seventh, nineteen ninety-seven. So, how are you feeling? A little bit. This is a little more somber chapter than we were used to. Yeah, it is, and it's like I don't know what the word is, but like Sirius's relationship with Hermione is kind of like. I don't want to say it's freaking me out, but it's, like, it's very interesting. It's, I think at this point when I first started reading it, again, some parts with the age difference, I was like, eh. But, one, 
age of consent in the UK, if I'm not mistaken, is like 16. So it's not, and also at this point, she's 18 anyway, or actually, yeah, she should be 18 because she's born in 1980 and this is 1997. So she's a, she's about to turn 18. So she's 17 at this point. She'll be 18 on September 20th, 19th. Um, so technically she's already the age of consent in Great Britain. So she's considered an adult anyway. And you also have to remember that she essentially tied herself magically in a bond to Sirius. So like the connection they have is beyond, it's not like a conscious thing on either of their ends. Yeah, and it's like, I'm not saying that it's wrong or anything because it happens and do you whatever you want to do. I really don't care. But it's just, I guess it's because I haven't read the books or any other like fan fiction or whatever, but it's just, I can't picture them. I know they're not together, but I can't picture them together. And I can't picture them like having any kind of whatever. So it's just hard for me to like, I guess, accept that that could happen or see it or believe it or accept it. I don't even know, but it's just, it's weird for me. You will believe it. Yes. And that is all I will say on the matter. Okay. September 7th, 1997. We need to leave soon, Harry. I know. You think she's well enough to apparate though? Sirius could hear the boys whispering outside of the tent uh, where they were supposed to be standing guard. Only one needed to keep watch at a time, but it was obvious to everyone that Ron wanted away from the tension inside. How the bloody hell should I know? Can't get anywhere near enough to see. Not when he's wearing that thing. The tent door flapped in the breeze and Sirius caught a glimpse of the boys standing there, huddled together as though perfectly unaware that he could hear every word. You go in and figure it out, Ron suggested. Get some sleep after. Harry must have agreed, because he was inside a moment later. Sirius watched as he flicked his wand, igniting a few lamps in the corner of the room to light up the dark space. Attention turned to a large bed in one of the corners. Harry slowly approached, hands up to show that he was not a threat. Padfoot eyed him balefully as he stepped closer, watching as Harry's eyes darted to the locket hanging around his furry neck. Sirius? Harry asked quietly. It'd be really nice if I could talk to you. I need to know how Hermione is. He gestured to the body of the girl sleeping behind him. Her small frame was tucked carefully beneath the blankets, but the bandage over her back was still visible when Padfoot craned his neck to glance at her. Sirius knew that Harry blamed himself, of course, though each of the wizards took their turn carrying the weight of the guilt. Padfoot lowered his head, allowing Harry to remove the horcrux. The moment it was gone, he let out a quick breath and shifted back into human form, rubbing the sore muscle in his neck. Is it me or is this thing getting heavier? You all right? Harry quietly asked. Sirius glanced at Hermione's sleeping form and sighed. Better today. You going to tell me what's going on yet? Sirius shook his head, knowing exactly what Harry was referring to. After such an incident, it was more likely for Sirius to have been worried about his godson, even if Hermione had been hurt. But that was obvious in the way that Sirius refused to leave her side that he was keeping secrets. Not my place. Just, she saved me, and I almost let her... We, Harry corrected. 
This is on all of us, not just you. It's my job to take care of you lot, Sirius tried to explain. It's my job to save the world, Harry shrugged his shoulders. She's in the world, therefore it's my job. You can't take my job, Sirius. You're not the chosen one. I am. <laughs> Always has to bring that up. Just in case you forgot, I'm the chosen one, people, because I'm a cocky butt face. Cocky butt face. Is that the technical term for it? Yes, it, it really is. Like, come on. Like, seriously, if Harry Potter was a real person and he was, like, out there in the bars or on the dating apps, he'd be like, I'm the chosen one. That's why you should be with me. I can just see that on his Tinder profile. Hashtag chosen one. Yeah, like, come on, man. Let it go. Sirius rolled his eyes and huffed out a weak chuckle. Oh, stop with the bloody chosen one nonsense. Can she travel? Harry asked, ignoring him. You know we can't stay in one place for very long. We've already been here for days. You still having visions? Sirius inquired, noticing the exhausted look in Harry's eyes. Harry shifted his gaze away as he sighed, nodding. I want to stop, but none of us is in any shape to practice occlumency right now. It would only make us weaker, he admitted sadly. He's searching for a wand, and he's kidnapped Ollivander and killed Grigorovich. Might be the death stick, Sirius suggested. What's that? From behind them, Hermione mumbled. It's just a myth. Go back to sleep, love, Sirius instructed. She ignored him, rolling up to face Harry. It's a myth about an unbeatable wand. There's a story about it in the book Dumbledore gave me. That thing's all in runes. When did you have a chance to translate it? Sirius asked her with a raised brow. I've been sitting here doing nothing for days, Hermione shrugged, wincing in pain as her shoulder protested the movement. Sirius cocked an eyebrow at her. You're supposed to be resting. And you're a terrible watchdog. You constantly fall asleep. When you do that, I read. Reaching for the book she kept beneath her pillow, Hermione brushed off Sirius's hands when he tried to help her get comfortable. In the story, it talks about three brothers who are able to evade death as long as, as though death were a real person. Death offers them each a gift. One brother asks for a wand powerful enough to defeat any wizard. I assume that this is the same fairy tale wand that's known as the Death Stick or the Wand of Destiny. Professor Binns mentioned it. I am the chosen one and I have the Wand of Destiny. Uh. Oh my god. <laughs> Professor Binns mentioned it a few times in History of Magic, she said, frowning down at the book in her hands. So do you think it's real? Harry asked. Sirius shrugged. Maybe. Of course not, Hermione said at the same time. Serious, it's ridiculous to even think something like that could exist. Oh yeah? Tell Harry what the other two brothers asked for in this story. He gestured, as if allowing her to take the stage. Hermione glared at him. Fine. The second brother received a stone that could bring back the dead. The third brother asked for a cloak of invisibility. Dun dun dun! So, a cloak of invisibility. But not just any cloak. A cloak that never loses its charm, never breaks or tears, and is impervious to jinxes and hexes. Sirius grinned smugly as though he'd already won the argument. He tapped his index finger against his bottom lip, ignoring the dark look that Hermione was directing at him. I wonder where we could find such an object. 
Even if the cloak exists, the other two are still preposterous, she protested. Wait a second. Does he not have this thing yet? What? Harry doesn't have his cloak of invisibility because she was like, even if the cloak exists, because it's like in the movies, he has it and she knows it exists. Well, that's what she's saying. She knows that the cloak exists. So even Uh... though that cloak exists, it doesn't mean that the other two do. But she just said, even if the cloak exists. So is she like trying not to make serious, like know that he has it or what? No, no. I think it's just a her. It's a weird way of saying that acknowledging that the cloak does exist, but that the other two are ridiculous. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. It's preposterous to think that people could come back from the dead. Harry said sarcastically, turning to Sirius for backup. Sirius dipped his head solemnly. He figured that his expression would have appeared almost genuine, if not for the glint of mischief he knew was in his eye. Harry, horcruxes, Hermione admonished when he chuckled in amusement. What we need to be concerned with is how to find a way to destroy the locket and then find the others. She reached for her bag. Now, I've been researching, Sirius growled. When the hell have you been resting? When Ron's in here. She answered as she eyed Sirius and Harry. You two won't leave me alone. Now, there's only two known ways to destroy a horcrux. Basilisk venom and fiendfire. Oh, God, I hate this. Okay, so F-I-E-N-D is pronounced fiend. However, when it's combined with the fire, I always say fiendfire, but I don't know if it's fiendfire or fiendfire, so I feel like that needs to be a poll. What do you think, listeners? Fiendfire or Fiendfire? I think Fiendfire sounds weird. Yeah, Fiendfire just sounds better. Anyway, do you know how to cast Fiendfire, Sirius? Harry asked. Cast? Oh, sorry. Cast? Yes, Sirius confirmed. Control it? Well, it's complicated. It's a last resort kind of option. If it needs to happen... I can do it, but we're talking about apparating to a deserted island, placing the horcrux on that island, casting the fire, and then getting the hell out before it consumes us with it. Might even want to learn a spell that can sink an island. Last resort. Got it. I'm going to go and tell Ron that we'll be able to move today. Harry smiled at Hermione. It's good to see you looking yourself again. How you feeling? What you thinking? Um... That this is starting to get better, and um, I don't really have any other words at the moment. Like It's okay. I just wanted you to talk so that I could drink some of my super good apple juice that my husband made from fresh apples that he peeled, cored, and then put into the juicer. Straight up tastes like Harry Potter world right now. Tastes like fall. Well, I can hear you swallowing. And that's what editing's for. That's why you talk. We have separate checks. And Hannah, take, Hannah Beth takes this out. Well, in that case, Sweetie Todd is on right now. And there's a lot of Harry Potter reunion going on right now. God, I love the Harry Potter reunion. Especially now that, like, Johnny Depp's... Well, yeah, yeah, no, he is in the series. Colin Farrell's the one that wasn't in very long. But Johnny Depp's in there. So we've got Grindelwald. And then we have Bellatrix and snape and wormtail anyone else oh and young grindelwald who was played by jamie bell oh look at that 
Yeah, so we have both Grindelwalds in there. Yeah, I really need to, like, go online and read something, like, to prepare for the next Fantastic Beasts. Because after I saw the second one, I was like, okay, who is Grindelwald? What crimes did he commit? Why is he busting out of jail? Like, I don't get any of this. Well, I think it was from the... Oh, he's wizarding Hitler. Oh, okay. Well, when you put it like that. Yeah. Now he's wizarding Hitler before Voldemort was wizarding Hitler. Oh, okay. October 17th, 1997. I thought you knew what you were doing, Ron shouted at Harry as Sirius entered the tent. I thought Dumbledore had told you what to do. I thought you had a real plan. Dumbledore never tells you what to do or where you're going. He's just like, I'm going to take you to a place, then I'm going to tell you what to do very vaguely, and you're going to do it, okay? Preach. God. Sirius turned a dour gaze on the teen for daring to raise his voice to his godson. But he was not one, these days, to jump into a fight without proper provocation. He looked to Harry and Hermione for an explanation. Did I miss something important? We think we found a way to destroy the Horcruxes, Hermione enthused. Harry used the Sword of Gryffindor to kill the Basilisk our second year, and the Sword is Goblin-made, and therefore only takes in that which strengthens it. Sirius finished her sentence. Bloody hell, that's inspired. He laughed and scratched his chin in thought. So, what now? Nothing now, Ron glared daggers at the rest of them, because the bloody thing's been stolen from Hogwarts, so even if we were to be able to sneak back into the castle, which we can't because it's being run by bloody Death Eaters, it's not even there for us to take. Sirius growled at him, not liking his attitude one bit, nor the way he was staring at Harry and Hermione. Watch the tone there, boy. It's because the locket... Hermione said, frowning. Ron, take it off. You wouldn't be talking like this if you hadn't been wearing it all day. Harry glowered at Ron. Yeah, you would. He's been doing nothing but complaining this whole time. He's starving, as if the rest of us aren't. You complain more than any of us, and Hermione got splinched and almost died. Ron narrowed his eyes. Piss off, Potter. Then why are you even still here? Harry asked Ron. The redhead threw up his hands. Search me. Go home then, Harry snapped. Yeah, maybe I will, Ron shouted, and took several steps towards Harry, who did not back away. Ron, take off the locket, Hermione begged. Sirius's fingers twitched around his wand, watching and listening, desperate to put an end to the boy's childish outburst, even if he only used a silencing charm. However, Hermione and Harry stood between him and Ron, and the boy's temper was unpredictable, especially with the horcrux hanging around his neck. Sirius felt that Hermione was right, but that did nothing to mollify the nervous anger he felt when the redhead glared at both of his friends with such malice. Harry stared icily at Ron, both boys ignoring Hermione's pleas for peace. Just go home to your family and let your mum make you a big dinner and wipe your face for you. That's what you want anyway. <laughs> Sassy. And beautiful. I love Harry. Ron bellowed back at Harry. What I want is to make sure my family is alive. It's all right for you, isn't it? With your parents safely out of the way. Uh Uh-oh, Hermione groaned. Before she could act, Sirius grasped Ron's collar and lifted him high into the air. Sirius felt his countenance turn dark, reminiscent of his first meeting with the redhead in the shrieking shack as he stared grimly at Ron. Too far, he said with a frightening amount of control in his voice. Sirius, Hermione pleaded, put him down. Harry glared at Ron. Yeah, 
Put him down so he can leave. Fine. Sirius slowly lowered Ron's shaking form back to solid ground, holding his stare the entire time. Not letting go of the boy's collar, he used his other hand to tear the locket from Ron's neck and then released him with a shove for good measure. You ever speak to either of them like that again, boy. I'll transfigure what's left of you so no one will even know where to look. He threatened, his tone low and menacing. Ron, impulsive as usual, responded by drawing his wand. Sirius was much faster, of course, but before either of them could get a spell off their lips, a shield erupted between them. It expanded across the tent, separating Ron from the other three, visibly showing how the ties of friendship had been severed. Glancing to the side, Hermione, Sirius saw Hermione concentrating on the shield with her wand drawn. "'You're really staying here, Hermione?' Ron asked, and then cast his eyes balefully at Sirius. "'Who am I kidding? Of course you're staying here.'" "'Uh... We promised Harry!' "'Sorry!' "'Exclamation mark!' "'My thing wouldn't turn.'" "'We promised Harry!' Hermione cried, her wand still up, holding the weight of the shield. "'Bullshit, Hermione!' Ron scowled at her. "'You're not here for Harry. You're here for him,' he said, pointing his wand at Sirius, who only growled in response. Whatever you did to bring him back changed you. He should have stayed dead. Boom, shakalaka, what'd I say? Muggle, you're just jealous because you want to hit that. I mean... And she don't want you. Nope. But like I said, that's part of how they're... That, that's part of the Hermione serious dynamic now is that they're literally tied together because she brought him back. Yeah. And Ron is being a baby about it. Oh my god. Well, Ron... Ron's a huge baby in the seventh book anyway. But... Just as when Ron had brought up Harry's parents, causing Sirius to snap, Hermione, apparently, had her own line to never cross. Sirius was not remotely surprised when she yelled, Get out! And pushed her shield towards Ron, forcing him magically towards the tent flap. You don't belong here. Go away! Grow up! And when this war is over and you finally matured a bit, come and apologize to us. But we are done here. Damn right I am, Ron glared at her, and then left. Silence filled the tent as though Ron had taken all of the noise with him. Hermione looked up when Harry sniffed and wiped the sleeve of his shirt across his face. Sirius clenched and unclenched his fists as he slowly calmed down. Harry eventually took a breath. Running a hand through his messy black hair in frustration, he reached for the horcrux. I'll take first watch. Sirius placed a hand on his godson's shoulder. You sure? Yeah. I need time to think anyway. You two get some rest. Harry gave Hermione a small smile, and she returned it briefly as he left the tent. When her gaze connected with Sirius's, Hermione broke away immediately. An hour later, when she could not stop thinking long enough to rest, Hermione sat up and sighed. She looked at Sirius and frowned when she caught him staring at her, bringing an uncomfortable warmth to her face. She felt like she had been caught doing something wrong. Walking to the tent door, she peered outside to find Harry, leaning up against the trunk of a tree, staring intently down at his wand, as though it would tell him what they should do. "'Do you ever think maybe he's right?' Sirius asked. "'Don't.' Hermione shook her head as she made her way back towards the bed, the same bed that she had been unthinkingly sharing with Sirius since she had been splinched, though never in his human form. 
Somehow, she had overlooked the fact that the dog was still, in fact, a fully grown wizard. She would snuggle beneath the covers and he would crawl beside her, turning once in a circle before tucking his snout against his front paws. Absent-mindedly, Hermione would reach over and stroke his fur as though he were some old, beloved family pet, and not Harry's godfather, a man who she had used blood magic to bring back to life, thus tying herself to him forever through ancient magic. But here, now, with him standing in front of her, his gray eyes trained on her face, Hermione shivered under the intensity of his gaze. Maybe- ah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Okay. Brown chicken, brown cow. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe I should have stayed. Don't, Hermione snapped at him. The locket made him say those things. If you weren't here, he'd have found something else to yell about. Not wrong. Because we already know that happened in the other book. hey Notice I say the other book and not the original book because I like this book better than the original. <laughs> Oh. oh lord the locket made him say those things if you weren't here he'd have found something else to yell about don't you dare say that you should have stayed dead he's not entirely wrong Sirius reasoned calmly as he approached her you're not just here for harry he closed the distance between them until he was inches away from her the heat from their bodies colliding neither am i he admitted his voice husky as he spoke that voice did things to her that she was not ready to acknowledge at least Oh, God. (laughs) No, Jesus. Oh, this book is going to be so much fun with you. God, I have so many questions when we ask her questions. Like, oh, man. Write them down. Please write them down. I have so many questions for her. That voice did things to her that she was not ready to acknowledge, at least not aloud. Don't do this serious, she pleaded, glancing up at him and then instantly back down, unable to hold her own against his stare. Sirius, however, forced the issue by placing a finger beneath her chin and lifted her face to meet his. Hermione closed her eyes to avoid looking up at him, tears trickling out of the corners. Can't avoid it forever, kitten. The boy was right about another thing. Whatever you did to bring me back changed something, he said softly running the pad of his thumb against the line of her jaw. You're not the only one who's good at magic, Hermione. He leaned in close, pressing his stubble-covered cheek against her smooth one, brushing his lips against her ear. Hermione's breath hitched in her throat at the contact. I know the life debt ritual, he whispered, before pulling away. Her eyes shot open wide. You, you know? You knew? This whole time? About the bond? Sirius inclined his head in affirmation. It's not dark magic, but what you did was blood magic, which in some families means the same thing. The House of Black is no exception. He sat down in a large armchair facing her bed, kicking his foot up to rest on the opposite knee. We eventually have to talk about it. Hermione looked away from him. I don't even know what it means. By the end of this war, Define the relationship. (laughs) Define the relationship. Always an awkward conversation. By the end of this war, we'll have a lot of talking to do. Let's make a date of it, shall we? Sirius grinned at her, and she turned her attention back to him with narrowed eyes. Your birthday, he suggested easily, as if the weight of the world no longer rested on their shoulders. My birthday? Why my birthday? Fine. The day after your birthday, 
he said with a smirk. Gives us almost a year to finish this war, and if we're lucky, a little recovery time after what might go down in the wizarding world, as the night everyone was smashed. Why is the day after Hermione's birthday important to this podcast? Absolutely no idea. Hermione's birthday is September 19th. The day after her birthday is September 20th. September 20th is also the day that we premiered our first ever episode. You chose that on purpose. What did I? Yeah, and watch the day that we finish this three years from now is going to be on Harry's birthday or something. Actually, no, I think it ends somewhere in like November or December. <laughs> Nobody asked you, muggle. Well, oh my. What kind of friendship is this? You're supposed to go with me on if things. If it ends in November, we could potentially end it on Sirius's birthday if it falls on a Friday. Also, I'd like you to know that over the course of the three years that we film this, it will never fall on your birthday. It will fall on mine, though. So, cheers. Oh, yeah, I already mapped it out. Sorry. I kind of figured you're the one who, when we would go on trips, you would make Excel sheets and price out everything, and I'm just like, oh, God. Well, I mean, think about it. Your birthday was on a Saturday this year, I know, because I got married on it, so it would take I know, I it would take there. another few, like, five or six years for your birthday to be on a Friday again. Okay, continue. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Hermione frowned. Okay. Hermione frowned. Or mourn. No. Sirius shook his head. I'm done mourning. Had too much grief in my life, and I'll spend the rest of this war making sure that I never have to mourn it again, he vowed, his tone once again firm and fierce. The sound of it made Hermione shiver and blush. Sirius took immediate notice and chuckled, causing Hermione to avert her gaze once more. He stood up and reached for his jacket. One day, you won't do that anymore. Do what? Hermione asked quietly, as he made his way to the tent door. Be embarrassed about how I make you feel. He clarified, fixing a serious gaze upon her. <laughs> serious gaze. Oh, God. This is like some Fifty Shades of Wizarding stuff cat, right here. Cat, this is like very vanilla flirting. I know, but it's going to get there is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it's going to get down to like the whole like, yeah. <laughs> very descriptive. Thank you. <laughs> Oh my god, so many questions for you, Shayalani. So many questions. Oh god. Fixing a serious gaze upon her, Hermione <laughs> let out a shaky breath as he broke their stare and ducked out of the tent, jacket and a pack of cigarettes in hand. Do I want to know? Harry asked as Sirius approached him from behind. A lit cigarette hung from Sirius's lips as he slipped his leather jacket on. He took the stick in hand and exhaled, letting the smoke drift off with the wind. Nice charm, he commented, noticing how the rain poured around them, never touching the dry circle Harry had created. Sirius smiled in reminiscence. Your mum was always good at charms like this. Avoiding the question, Padfoot, Harry countered, using Sirius's marauder name in a tone that made him sound exactly like James. Sirius laughed softly at the game, taking another drag from his cigarette. I know what you're doing, you know. You figured me and Remus out easily. You figured out that, when you want information, calling us Mooney and Padfoot in that voice makes us think of your dad. Which it does, he affirmed. And when you want to impose your opinion, you make eye contact, which reminds us of Lily. Harry cocked his head to the side and folded his arms across his chest, an amused grin on his jaw. 
I guess mum had a way of being convincing. Your grandmother, Doria, would have loved you. Sirius let out a quiet laugh. She and Charles, your grandfather, almost made a game of hiding information when they wanted to. All right, quick pause. Um, so I don't know entirely how this worked, but there was a period of time where it came out that James Potter's parents were Doria and Charles um, Potter. Then somewhere along the line, something changed, and I don't know if it was on Pottermore or what, but it was released that James's parents' names were Euphemia and Fleamont. And if those aren't the most horrendous names you can think of, I just... So bad. So, a number of fan fiction authors have opted to go with the original names of Charles and Doria because those are nice and pleasant and aristocratic sounding without being as horribly stodgy as Euphemia and Fleamont. Okay, so I have a question. I potentially have an answer. Okay, so apparently there are two different names for his grandparents. Now, my it's kind of a two-part question. So my first question is, did the people who write fan fiction make these up? and Or did she come out and say, because I wrote this stuff, this is what it is. And if she didn't, like, do you think she'll ever comment on which one is correct? Um, so I'm trying to, I'm actually going to look it up. Um, okay. Yeah, so like on the Harry Potter wiki... It literally, it has Charles and, um, Harry Potter wiki has Charles and Doria as Harry Potter's grandparents. Um, yeah, uh, there was some speculation that Charles Potter was the father of James Potter and the paternal grandfather of Harry Potter. Later, Pottermore revealed that Fleamont Potter, not Charles, is Harry's grandfather. In spite of this, it is still more than likely that Charles was an uncle or a cousin of James. Um. Charles and Doria were on the Black family tapestry, so everyone assumed that Charles and Doria were going to be Harry's parents, but then Pottermore came out and said it was Fleamont and Euphemia, and a lot of the fans just decided to ignore that because those are terrible names. Okay, but who came up with these names? The fanfiction people, or did JK, like, come up with these? They were on the Black family tapestry, so I think... Oh, so in the movie or in the book, it was yes. on there. Okay, got it. Yeah, sorry, I was, like, trying to talk and read at the same time, which is never good. Okay, so, like, obviously, whatever's in the book should probably be the correct one because she wrote this stuff, and that should probably be, like, what is it the word is? Canon? Yes. Is that what yes, the word is? Yes, but Doria and Charles are fanon because at this point, a lot of members of the Harry Potter community have gotten almost fed up with a lot of the post information where after the series wrapped up now all of a sudden Joe Rowling is coming out with oh but this was actually that and that was actually this and, blah, 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 blah. and so a lot of the fans have just flipped the bird to her and substituted their own reality okay that's interesting I think it's called like death of the author or something like that where the fans essentially claim the content and ignore 
the author because they've decided the author is overstepping. Okay, now I have another question. I wonder if um, the names, the ones that nobody likes, are. I wonder if those are like some kind of like old school traditional like English names or something. I think they are. Like I know I've I've heard of they somebody are. named Euphemia before. Um, I think it was a okay. nun, Sister Euphemia. Fleamont, I don't know. I hope nobody ever named their child that, but we also had a president named Millard Fillmore. So, you know, clearly people's naming abilities are subpar. Yeah, it's kind of like in Adam's family. We gave him something he could live with. Puber. <laughs> I forgot about that. All right. Um, we well, got a couple more sentences. Yep. She and Charles, your grandfather, almost made a game of hiding information when they wanted to. She'd always win. Jerve your dad and me mental. Harry grew quiet for a moment, his focus far away until he brought his attention back to Sirius. The amused boy was gone once again, replaced by a burdened soldier of war. I think I want to go to Godric's Hollow. There was a beat of silence as Sirius thought about it for a moment, knowing that Harry was likely to go on his own, regardless of what anyone else said about the matter. Eventually, he sent in resignation. Consider it done. Today is, I say today is, today is not, but by the time this airs, today will be the day after Halloween. So happy All Saints Day, I believe, which means tomorrow is uh, Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead. Everybody party it up. I'm 90% certain that's November 2nd. If I'm not, I apologize to all of our Mexican heritage listeners. Um... The big news today for our podcast is that I got an email saying that we are ranked on Apple Podcasts. We are number 156 of all drama podcasts, which is not an impressive number, but it's a number and it is not four digits and it is in the top 200. So like, granted, I don't know how many drama podcasts there are. There may only be 156, but we now have a goal. We want to get into the two digits so as always tell your friends about us we love when new people listen tell your friends tell your mama tell your cousin tell your dog tell anybody you know what i found online today which i don't understand why it's a thing what i found a sheet mask for your butt oh i saw that and it's literally shaped like a butt and i'm like who wants this besides a stripper who has to show her butt to the world? Like, what person is like, I want my butt to be, like, softer and smoother just so it can sit in my underwear. God, I watched When Harry Met Sally last night. I like that movie so much more now. Sorry. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. Okay. Billy Crystal. <laughs> Okay, can I yeah. read that or say what? Okay, because I really have to pee. Okay, what am I doing? Shh. <laughs>
thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shailani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episode. You can find us on Instagram at Fire, Whiskey, and Honey Podcast. No E in whiskey. And on Twitter, FWH Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. No E in whiskey. Thank you to all those who support us already, and we wouldn't be here without any of you. Thank you to our production support supporters. These are our foxes, Carissa Horton, Laura Rivers, Kelsey Malilo, Ren Oliver, Elise Wolfson, Krista Swearing, and Sophie Segator, Amanda Quick, Jillian Foles, Martina Tomlinson, Ashley Enstrom, Claire Luciano, and a big thank you to our first ever dog supporter, Carly Kabayama. I really hope I didn't uh, destroy that name. That's really fun to say, Kabayama. It's a lot of A's like Bananarama. Okay. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Woo! Say goodnight, Gracie. No. Say goodnight, Gracie. Good. Say goodnight, Gracie. No. Everybody, let it be known that the reason you didn't get a goodnight, Gracie is because Cat hates you. It was, no, I need a deal. I'm done with that. Say hasta la pasta, nerds. Hasta la pasta, nerds.